0: Well, do you believe this morning? Wow, really? You believe this morning? Amen. Amen. Father, we do believe today. We believe that you are risen and that you are the God of all gods and you are the God of truth and you're the God of life and you're the God of resurrection. And So, Fathers, we come to you today. We pray that as we open your word that you will speak to us. And that will be open to what you have to say. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated as we get started this morning. I want to read a reply to an email that was sent. It was sent by a stately, refined, proper southern lady. Her and her husband were retired, and they had bought an RV and were headed to. Uh, Florida, and, and she was real concerned about the toilet facilities at the campgrounds or the RV parks where they would be staying, and so she wanted to write an email to the various locations to make sure they found a good one, but every time she would put things down like, like toilet or, or, or commode, she just felt so uncomfortable because she was so prim and proper, and so she would go back and edit and edit and edit until finally she decided rather than write bathroom commode. She would just use the initials BC. That's what she would use. She felt like that would be the best way. And so she sent these to all of the various camps and all the different places that they were going to try to stay. And this was the response that she received from one of the managers there. She said, Dear Mrs. Smith, I regret the delay in answering your email, but I now take pleasure in informing you that a BC is located nine miles north of the campground. And it's capable of seating 250 people at one time. It is located in a beautiful pine grove and is open only on Sundays and Wednesdays. I admit it is quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that many people take their lunch along and make a day of it. In fact, they usually arrive early and stay late. As a matter of fact, my daughter met her husband in the B.C. Sometimes it's so crowded there are five to a seat. It may interest you to know that right now there's a supper plan to raise money to buy more seats, and they're going to hold it in the basement of the B.C. It pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it is surely not due to a lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come to our campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go and sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. We will be sure to get a seat up front where you can be seen by everybody. Remember, we are a friendly community. What in the world was that reply? Come to find out when that that RV campground owner got this, he couldn't figure out what BC stood for. And so he sent out an email to all of his employees, and they decided that BC must stand for Baptist Church. Now, there was a miscommunication there between what was being asked and what was being received wasn't there. And I stand here today to tell you that we are a BC. We are Oak Ridge Baptist Church. And as such, we need to be able to communicate things clearly. And we need to be able to communicate things concisely. And we need to understand what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and why it is that we choose to worship at Oak Ridge Baptist Church. And that's why our theme for this year in 2018 is unashamed. And you see the word me highlighted there, me. I'm to be unashamed. I'm to be able to explain to someone what I believe and why it is that I believe that. Our theme passage uh, this year is out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and it's there that it kind of outlines for us what it means to be unashamed. And so does anybody have that you'd like to share with us this morning? Stephen, share it, please, sir.
1: Who is there to harm you if you can prove zealous for what is right? But even if you are, if you are. But even if you, even if you suffer for the sake of Christ, you are blessed. Uh, it's easier to say what And do not fear their intimidation, and do not uh, be troubled. But sanctify Christ in your heart. Uh, to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to give an account to those. Always being ready give a defense uh, to anyone who asks you to give the make it Uh, and always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you uh, to make a defense of the hope that is in you and with reverence and gentleness and uh, keep a good conscience so that thing in which you are slandered uh, those are about your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame thank you
0: Very good, sir. Thank you very much. I wish I had his voice. He just stands up and he just speaks and everybody hears, right? I have to have this microphone. Good job. That is the theme passage for us. And what we're really concentrating on there is in uh, verse 15, where it says, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. That's really why we're talking about the identity series. That's where we're kind of coming in together, this series that we're in right now, where we're wanting to make sure as we're interacting with people and as we're talking with them and they're, they're asking us questions, well, why are you a Christian? And then why do you go to Oak Ridge Baptist Church? We're using this as an opportunity to step back and look at our Baptist faith and message and make sure what our Baptist faith and message says is in line with what scripture says, because we don't follow a man-made article. We follow what the Bible has to say. But oftentimes it's through articles that help us explain and understand why it is the things that we believe. And so today we're going to talk about the church. And this is what our faith and message says. It says, a New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel. Observing the two ordinances of Christ, that's talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper, "...governed by His laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by His Word, and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes. In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. Its scriptural officers are pastors and deacons, and while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture." Then there's also another definition of the church that we find less often in the New Testament. The New Testament also speaks of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue, and the people and the nations. And so this morning what I want to ask you to do is take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2, and I want us to travel back about 2,000 years ago to the institution of the local church, the local body of believers. And so when we travel back to Acts chapter 2, we know that Jesus has ascended back into heaven after after Easter. And after his resurrection, he spends 40 days here on this earth. And he's talking to his disciples. He's interacting with them. He's making sure that they can touch him. Thomas comes up and says, is it really you? And he says, touch the scars, touch those things that are in me. It's really me. I am alive in the flesh. And then after 40 days, he ascends back to heaven. It's at that moment that then these disciples that were fearful and they were questioning whether Jesus really was the Messiah or not, that they they realize he is. And they begin the process of sharing the story. They begin to share how that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And they're unashamedly telling people the difference that he can make in their life. And so in Acts chapter 2, we come to the day of Pentecost. And this is when Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel so that everybody, can understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. It says, "'So then those who had received his words, those that had received Peter's preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, they were baptized, those that had accepted the truth, those that had accepted Christ as their Savior, they were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls.'" Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. As I read through this passage of Scripture in preparation for today, I began to notice four traits that pop out of this passage that really identified this first church that we find here in in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And as I began to think about those, and I began to think about this definition of the church that we have, that we understand as I just read to you a few moments ago, I realized these four traits that were evident in this church in the first century are also the four traits that should be evident in our church today. So we're going to talk about these four traits, and as we do that, then we're saying these are also the things that should be evident. These are the characteristics that should be evident here at Oak Ridge Baptist Church. And so the first thing that I noticed, the first trait there, is that they they were devoted to the preaching of God's Word. This congregation, this early church, they were devoted to the preaching of God's word. Listen to what it says there in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, that word devoted there, devoting themselves in the Greek text and that manuscripts, it's, it's actually a compound word. It's pros, kartario is the Greek word, pros meaning to. It's just the, it's the prefix, if you will. And then kartario means to endure. Now, the word endure, when we normally hear that, we think about suffering. And if that's what that word meant, then this passage would just say they were continually suffering as the apostles were teaching Jesus to them. And and that's not what this passage is talking about. They weren't weren't suffering. They weren't maligned. they They weren't upset with it. So, obviously, it must mean another definition. And the other definition is to continue firmly or obstinately in an opinion... Or a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. So, if that's a definition, then it says they were continually devoting themselves. They were continually, firmly, and obstinately in an opinion or a course of action in spite of what it was going to cost them. Regardless of what it meant, regardless of the hardship, regardless of the persecution, regardless of anything that would happen to them, they were holding fast to something. And what was it that they were holding fast to, according to this passage of Scripture? They were holding fast to the apostles' teachings. Now, who were these apostles? Well, these were the guys that Jesus had called, and he walked up to them and said, hey, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And for the three and a half years during his earthly ministry, he was pouring into them the truth and the understanding about his kingdom and how that he was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And, and they didn't always remember it. And there were times in the story where Jesus would say, it's OK, the Holy Spirit is going to come after that I leave and he's going to help you be able to recall these things. As they recalled these things, they would be teaching them and they would be sharing them. And these young converts in this passage of Scripture right here, they are are firmly and obstinately holding on to these truths that the apostles are teaching, regardless of what it is in society that it may cost them. I think this is why Titus reminds us in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 to hold fast the faithful word. Well, what's the faithful word? Well, the faithful word are the words that are in line with what the apostles taught, what, what the apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, these that walked with Jesus and how they begin to share the gospel of Jesus, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Titus says, hold fast the faithful word, which is in accordance to the teaching that these apostles did. Well, why should we hold true to that? So that You will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. I think what he's saying there is also what Peter tells us, another one of those apostles that walked with Jesus, when he says, sanctify yourself. Make sure that you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Sanctify your thoughts. Sanctify your actions. Sanctify your ideas. Everything that you do, make sure they're in line with God so that you'll always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. The same thing that Titus says is the same thing that Peter says, and it's tying back to this teaching that these young believers said, It doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter if I'm ostracized because I'm holding on to this. I'm devoted to this absolutely because I lived it, I saw it. I was in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. I was there when when they went to the grave to get him out and he wasn't there and the stone had been rolled away. You see, you're not willing to die for something if you don't believe it's truth. You're not willing to to be ostracized by society unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that absolutely this is the way that I should live my life. And in this passage of Scripture, they are always ready to make a defense. They are always equipped to do so because they are holding on to, they are devoted to these apostles' teaching. You know, when you turn on a a television and, and you begin to watch a certain network's programming you begin to understand what that, what that station values. Watch their shows. Watch the things that they air, and it'll tell you a lot about what they think about families and what they think about God and what they think about, uh, about church. Same thing when you pick up a newspaper or you pick up a a magazine. As you begin to read through their articles and you see the things that they highlight, and in those articles, as they are approving the printing of those things, you begin to understand what the editorial staff values and thinks is important. And I submit to you this morning that when you come into a church service, and I don't care if it's an Oak Ridge Baptist Church or any church in America or the world, all you have to do is listen to the sermon that's being preached See whether or not it's coming out of God's word, and you'll know whether or not that pastor and that congregation, what it is that they value. Do they value the things of God? Do they value the timeless truth of Scripture because they go to Scripture, or are they trying to do something else? And I'm afraid that that so many of our churches around the world today are more concerned about, about growing growing numbers than they are about growing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I'm afraid a lot of our churches are illustrated in this story. I heard of this young man uh, that, that, that was, uh, he, he was single and living by himself and he, and he wanted a pet to kind of keep him company. And, and, but he didn't want a cat and he didn't want a dog. And he came up with the idea, I'm going to buy a bird. They're, they're going to be real easy to take care of. And so he decides he wants a parakeet so he goes to this pet store, and he, he walks into the pet store and says, you know, I want a parakeet. And the pet owner says, well, that's fine. Here's a parakeet that costs $25, and here's a parakeet that costs $100. And he goes, man, that's a big difference. What's the difference between a $25 parakeet and a $100 parakeet? And he said, well, the $100 parakeet, he can sing and he can talk. And the $25 parakeet, he kind of sings and kind of talks sometimes. And the guy thought, well, I don't want a bird talking to me all the time. So I think that $25 would be the best way to go. So he buys the $25 bird and takes it home. About a week later, he comes back to the pet store and he says, hey, this bird has not sung one note and has not said one word. And the pet shop owner said, well, y- you know, did you get the little bell? He goes, what little bell? And he said, well, he has to peck the bell before he'll talk or sing. He said, well, you didn't tell me anything about a bell. And he said, well, yeah, you need the bell. And that'll be $15. So he bought the bell, took it home. Put it in the cage. Week later, he comes back to the pet store and he's like, "Hey, this bird still has not said one word, has not made one sound whatsoever." And he said, "Well, did he go up and down the ladder?" And he said, "What are you talking about a ladder?" And he so well, he's got to go up and down the ladder and then peck the bell to be able to talk or sing. And the guy said, "You didn't tell me nothing about a ladder." He said, "Yeah, I need the ladder. That'll be twenty dollars." So the guy goes home about a week later, he comes back. He said, this bird is not talking. This bird is not singing. What in the world is going on with this bird? And he said, well, did he look in the mirror? He said, look in the mirror. What are you talking about? So he has to look in the mirror and then he has to run up and down the ladder and then he has to ring the bell and then he'll talk and he'll sing. He said, don't tell me $25, right? He said, yeah, how'd you know? So he bought the mirror, goes home a week later. The bird has still not sung. He's still not said a word. So he comes back to the pet shop owner and said, Listen, we got a problem. This bird still hasn't done anything. He said, Well, is he swinging on the swing? He said, What are you talking about? He said, He has to swing on the swing, and then he has to look himself in the mirror, and then he has to run up and down the ladder, and then he has to peck the bell. And then he'll talk, and then he'll sing for you. How much will that be? $30. So he pays the $30, he takes it home. About two days later, the guy comes back. He said, I got to tell you about that bird. That bird was constantly swinging on the swing, looking himself in the mirror, running up and down the ladder, and he was pecking the, the, the bell over and over and over again, until finally he just fell over with legs straight up in the air, and he finally said something before he died. He said, "Does that pet store not sell bird seed?" I'm afraid that's a lot of churches in our society today. They are so worried. They're so worried about bells and they're so worried about ladders and they're so worried about mirrors. And they're so worried about swings that they forget what is to be the most important thing when we walk into the house of God. And that is exactly what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. The Bible. That's the transformation that will take place in a person's life. It's when the Word of God that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, the Word that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, given verbally to the writers of this book that we have, and it allows us to understand the mind of God and the truth of God and the understanding of God. That's what a church is to be built upon. But I want you to notice something very carefully in this passage of Scripture. Look back again there at verse 42. It says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Listen to that again. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. What were the apostles doing? It's right there. It's not a trick question. What were the apostles doing? What were the listeners doing? They were not asking for bells. They were not asking for ladders. They weren't asking for swings. They weren't asking for mirrors. They weren't asking to be entertained. What they were doing is they were hungry for the truth of God's word. And as the truth of God's word was preached, they were hungry to make application of that into their life. They were hungry to understand what is the mind of God, what is the truth of God. And as the apostles took the time to explain that to them, they devoted themselves to that truth. And it did not matter what it cost them. It did not matter what persecution would come. They were hungry to know the mind of God and they were hungry for those apostles to teach it to them. And I want you to know the only way that a pastor ever has the freedom and the ability to not worry about ladders and not worry about bells and whistles and not worry about anything to entertain is when he has the heart of the people and the mind of the people that are interested in the truth of God's word. And then they make the determination, I will no longer just be a hearer of the word, but I choose to be a doer of the word. When a congregation is like that, it motivates a pastor to study harder. It motivates a pastor to to get all of the education that he possibly can. It motivates a pastor to be ready when he stands in the pulpit to be able to rightly divide the word of God because he knows that he's not casting pearls in front of swine. He's casting God's word in front of those that value it and make application into their life each and every day. And I want you to know I'm grateful to be able to pastor that kind of congregation today. And I thank you very much. that opportunity. The first thing that we notice in this passage of scripture is that they were devoted to the preaching of God's word. The second thing that we notice here is that they practiced fellowship. This is the second aspect or the second trait that we find here. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Now, we're all probably very familiar with the Greek word that's used here. It's the word koinonia, this is the first time in the New Testament that this word is ever used. It's translated in most of our most of our uh, interpretations in the Bible that we have as fellowship. Unfortunately, this is probably one of the most misunderstood Greek words that we find in our New Testament. When I generally mention the word fellowship, what do we think about potluck dinners, cups of coffee, pie around the table, sitting around and eating? Right? That's a Baptist way, right? That's why we think of fellowship. Fellowship is eating. Fellowship is gabbing. Fellowship is hanging out together. But that has nothing to do. That may be an aspect of koinonia, but that is not what koinonia is talking about. Koinonia is defined as an intimate bond that unites Christians. What's the intimate bond that unites us? Jesus Christ. It's his death, his burial, his resurrection. It is the, it is the life-giving sacrifice that he made for us. And I understand that. And if you're a believer, you understand that. And there is a, there is a kinship that is developed inside of us because the same God that lives inside of me is the same God that lives inside of you. And there is an intimate relationship that is forged there. But it goes on to say in this definition, it's an intimate bond that unites Christians, not so we can go have a cup of coffee together, not so we can go have some cake together, not so that we can have a potluck dinner. It unites us together so that we have an expression of caring and sharing with each other. We are so intimately connected with each other that your hurts are my hurts. Your celebrations are my celebrations. Your life is my life, and we are doing this thing together. That old song we used to sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You will notice we say brother and sisters around here. It's because we're a part of this family. When one has a heartache, we all share the what? Tears And we rejoice in its victory in this family so dear. That's what koinonia is. That's what this congregation had. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the caring and sharing with each other. How did it manifest themselves? Well, that's in verse 45. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone who might have need. Did you know what the church was never created for you to do? It was never created for you to come in the door and sit, listen, be equipped, and walk out the door and never do anything with it. The church was established for you to come in to sit. To be under the teaching of God's word, to be equipped, and then to show the love of Jesus in a practical way, starting with those that are in the fellowship by sharing and by caring. How do we make sure that that's a trait that's evident at Oak Ridge Baptist Church? How do we make sure that that we're not just a congregation, that we come in and we sit in our little section and then we get up and we walk out the door and never interact and never care and never share for anyone else that's in our congregation? How do we make sure that that's alive and evident in my world? Well, I believe John, another one of the apostles, one of those that teaches the things that we should devote ourselves to, gives us this instructions in first John chapter one. He says what we have seen and heard. What had they seen and heard? What the apostles, what had they seen and heard? For three and a half years, they walked with Jesus. For three and a half years, they interact with, with Jesus. For three and a half years, they listened to his teachings. He's saying the things which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So that, and here's why we proclaim it. So that you too may have fellowship with us. Because who did they have fellowship with? They had fellowship with Jesus. And now they're saying, we're teaching these things to you so that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And if you have a relationship with Jesus and I have a relationship with Jesus, then we have the opportunity to have koinonia together. We share this so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So what's the key to having fellowship with others? it's having fellowship with God. You see, if you want to have a really good horizontal relationship with others, you better have a very good vertical relationship with God. Isn't that what the 10 commandments are all about? Basically, the first of the 10 commandments is saying, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Such as don't use the Lord's name in vain, right? Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. It's talking about how do we keep this relationship vertically good. And then it turns around and says, now, if you have this vertical relationship good, guess, your, guess what you'll do in your horizontal. You won't steal. You won't covet. You won't commit adultery. You won't do those things because when your vertical relationship is good, your horizontal relationship is good. When your vertical relationship is not good, you don't care if somebody else is suffering. If your vertical relationship is not good and you've not been reminded of the mercies of God that you deserve hell and should split it wide open. But it was because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ, because God loved you so much, he gave up his son for you. And that you're to have the attitude in yourself that's also in Christ Jesus, who willingly gave up himself to be crucified by sinners that had no right whatsoever to do that. When you keep your eyes focused on that and you look out into this world, suddenly you begin to see the hurts of others because you see yourself in the eyes of your God. That's the way you keep koinonia. That's the way that you keep sharing and caring at the forefront of all you do is you make sure that you keep your vertical relationship good. And then it will excite you about keeping horizontal relationships the way that they should be. Why is that so important? Because when people walk through the door at Oak Ridge Baptist Church, they should see koinonia in each and every one of us. They should see the love of Jesus in a practical way when we're willing to care for each other and we're willing to share with each other. And we're willing to, to bear one another's burdens in each and everything that we do. And you know why that's so important? Because there's people that walk through the doors at Oak Ridge Baptist Church, just like there were people in Jerusalem and Ephesus and Philippi and Corinth that were in need of a different life. they were in need of a life that was full of Jesus and not a life that was full of this world. And when they saw the caring and they saw the sharing, they said, those people are are obstinately, Those, those people are without any care what it's costing them, standing for something that causes them to care for each other and share with each other like nothing we've ever seen before. And when you and I operate that way with each other, because we have a kinship in Christ, when people walk through the door, they begin to sense that. And you know what they say? If they love each other like that, Maybe they could love me like that. Because that's what I'm missing in my life. I'm missing someone that would just love me with no strings attached. That would make time for me. That would listen to me. That would walk with me and help me understand how to have that kind of love for others the way that they have for me. That's a trait that we see in this congregation. We see that they had, they had this desire for the word of God. They had this, this desire for fellowship. The third trait that we see in this passage of Scripture is that they participated in praising the Lord. That's what it says right there. Look at verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity. They were fellowshipping also through food. It's okay. We can have potluck dinners. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. Y'all can make me all of the cakes and things you want and bring it. I will fellowship with you and enjoy that. I'm not saying we throw that out the window. But I'm saying that's not just what it is. And then what does it say they did? They've got this great vertical relationship. They've got this great horizontal, horizontal relationship. And as they come together, what do they do? Do they bicker? Do they fight? Do they care if somebody's sitting in their seat? No, what are they doing? They're praising the Lord. They're praising God. And I don't know if you pick up on this or not in this passage, but what I see here is they're kind of an excited bunch. They're they're kind of excited about the opportunity they have together to come together and to be able to spend time together and to praise God together. And I I want you to know that that our church is just like most churches around here. We need a little bit more excitement. I'm just telling you, we need a little bit more excitement at Oak Ridge Baptist Church. Oftentimes we're like the date that I heard about. There was this uh, there was this 85 year old woman that got a blind date with a 95 year old man and the 85 year old woman. uh, Her daughter was really worried about it. And she's like, mom, now listen, you haven't been out on a date in a long time. And so you don't let that old man get frisky with you. And some mom was like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And so they leave for their date and they're supposed to be home at 10 o'clock. Well, 10 o'clock comes, they're not home. 11 o'clock comes, they're not home. 12 o'clock comes home around. They're not home yet. The girls are getting kind of upset. She's about to call the police. One o'clock comes, they're not home. One 30 and finally they pull up. The mom gets out of the car, slams the car door shut, storms up there. She goes, you know what I had to do that old man? She said, what? She said, I had to slap him. She said, mama, did he get frisky with you? She said, no, I had to slap him to wake him up so he would drive me home, you know? And that's the way it is sometimes. Chris has to stand up here and try to slap y'all upside the head to get you to open your mouth to sing. I got to stand up here and dance around to do all these things to try to keep you engaged. Why? You should be praising God at every opportunity that you have. And it shouldn't be something that we're trying to pull you to do, slapping you around to wake you up. You have the love of Jesus in your heart because Jesus Christ died for you. And if there's nothing else in this world to get excited about, we ought to get excited about Jesus. I mean, I got up here. I said, is this what y'all believe? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. King Gingham. Woo! You love Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. Really? Are you kidding me? Oh, my breaky-achy heart. My breaky-achy heart. Y'all got the windows rolled down and everybody's looking at each other going, oh, my gosh, that's a Luke Bryan fan right there, you know? We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe. Yeah, and that's exactly what he did. He gave you life everlasting. He pulled our sorry, no good selves out of the depths of hell. And it ought to excite us to have the privilege to lift high the name of Jesus. You see, they were close to him. And you know what they couldn't help do? But sing his praises. They couldn't help but open their mouth and let other people know. And they were about to experience persecution like we have never experienced. And guess what? Because they were grounded in the word of God, because they had a relationship with others and because they understood that they could care and they could share with each other and they weren't walking in this world alone by themselves, they could open up their mouth and they could let God have the praise and adoration that he deserves. We don't need cold, dead churches. We need churches that are filled with praise. And a church that is filled with praise is filled with praise because it's Full of God. And the rocks can cry out, but I would lot like rather have us cry out than the rocks doing our job. Amen. Amen. There you go. You almost got it. Here we go. Yeah. Trait number four. What was trait number one? Devoted to the word of God. Trait number two. They practice fellowship. Trait number three? They participated in praising. Trait number four, they proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed the gospel. Go back up and read verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. The people on the day of Pentecost, they heard the gospel. What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel story right there. It's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What story is that? Is that the Christmas story? Is, is, that, is, that, is that the New Year's story? That's the Easter story, isn't it? What's the Easter story? Christ died. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. That's the gospel message. And the Bible tells us in the, book of, uh, in, the, in, in the book of Ephesians, right? For by grace, you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, right? This gift that God has given us, this, this, this ama- amazing ability to be able to understand this gospel story. And then we go to the book of Romans and it says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God did what? That's the difference in Christianity. We talked about this on Easter. When we believe in our heart that that Jesus is raised from the dead, demonstrating that he is the only one that has the power to be able to grant eternal life. And when we share that with other people, they come to that understanding that it's to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that they have salvation. That's when the gospel story is being shared. And so it says there in in this passage of scripture that as a result of the gospel being shared, they were baptized. And then there was added about 3,000 souls to the church that day. On any given Sunday, a person should be able to walk through the door at Oak Ridge Baptist Church and they should hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They should hear it from this pulpit. They should hear it in the ABF classes. Wait a minute, pastor, what are you talking about? In the ABF class, we were talking about fellowship. Yeah, and to have fellowship with each other, you've got to fellowship with Jesus Christ. This is how a person gets saved. You know how many people were on the church roll that have been saved at Oak Ridge Baptist Church in the 12 years that I've been here? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. People that really did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but somehow they got on the church roll. And because they kept being exposed to the gospel in the ABF class and the gospel from the preaching of God's word and the gospel in the discipleship class and the gospel, maybe sometimes they were studying it to each other. They came to the understanding that they needed a relationship with Jesus Christ. The gospel is to be at the forefront of each and everything that we do. But here's the deal about the gospel. The gospel. If all we do is we come in here on on Sunday and we sit and we listen and we hear it and we walk out the door and we don't take it with us, then you are the only ones that have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Are there a few more people in your neighborhood than are sitting here right now? Are there a few more people in, in your job place than are sitting here right now? If you take this gospel message and all you do is count it into your heart, under your mind and say, well, I have Jesus in my heart and you don't take it with you outside that door tomorrow and begin to pray and ask God, when you open the door, God, I'm going to walk through that door because I know what I believe and I know why it is that I believe it because I've been coming to Oak Ridge Baptist Church and Oak Ridge Baptist Church is a church that is, is, is adamantly supportive of preaching the word of God. And for year after year after year, God's word has been invested into me. And no longer am I just going to be a hearer of the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. And I'm going to take this truth outside that door with me. And every chance I get an opportunity, I'm going to share Jesus Christ and his story. And it doesn't matter what society thinks. And it doesn't matter what might happen to me. I know that's what I'm called to do. And I'm going to be just like that first century church. And every opportunity that I have, I'm going to share the difference that Jesus Christ made in my life. And it's okay if I get attacked, because I know when I come back together on Sunday, I come back together on Wednesday, I come back together to discipleship classes. I'm going to be around my other brothers and sisters that I have koinonia with. And they have the same Jesus and they they care for me and I can share my burdens and they'll pray for me and walk with me and we'll do this together. And then there's going to be this uplifting of praise that's going to come together. And when that happens, it's going to invigorate me and it's going to give me power and it's going to give me healing so I can walk back out those doors and do it again the next day. And then when I get beat up that week for doing that, I'm going to walk back through this door. And we're going to have koinonia together. And we're going to hear the preaching of God's word. And we're going to praise together. And we're going to care for each other. And we're going to lift each other up. And then we're going to walk right back out that door and share the gospel of Jesus Christ again. You know why? Because there's a day coming when every person is going to stand before Jesus Christ. And give an account of what they did in this body, in word or deed. And if word or deed, they never ask Jesus Christ to be their savior, then they're going to be separated for him for all of eternity. And if we truly understand the concept of hell and what the Bible has to say, there is not one of us that would wish that on any person in our world. And we would take the time to step out of our comfort zone and say, can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life? And no one can ever take that away from you because it's your testimony and your testimony alone. And in this passage of scripture, what does it say was happening day by day? And the Lord was what? Adding to their number Day by day. Why is it sometimes churches are so so worried about the ladders and the mirrors and the bells and the whistles? Because they're trying to get the numbers. And when the bells stop and the ladders fall down, we got to do a bigger one. And next Easter pageant has to be bigger. And next Christmas pageant has to be bigger. And next get-together has to be bigger. Because if we don't keep getting bigger, it's going to be the same thing as last year, and we're not going to keep the numbers. You know how to grow Oak Ridge Baptist Church to the numbers that you want it to be? Share Jesus Christ and have people get saved. take the messages that we get here out that door into that world and share Jesus Christ and the difference that he made in your life. And when you reach those people, then those people have the truth in them and you begin to care for them, you begin to share for them, you begin to show them how to praise, you begin to show them how to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And then they begin to share that with their children and they begin to share that with their family and friends. And all of a sudden there's this revival that begins to break out in a community, in a church, in a state, in a country because people get back to the way it was supposed to be from the very beginning. Be excited about God's word. Be excited about fellowship. Be excited about praising. And be excited about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody and everybody that'll give you the opportunity to listen. That's the way that God does church and I am so grateful that you give me the opportunity to be able to share a little bit with you this morning I'm gonna ask the Sliger family if they'll come at this time one of the things that we did at Oak Ridge Baptist Church you heard just a few minutes ago is that on a yearly basis we have a, an offering that we give that supports local missions and state missions and, and North American mission and international missions we'll be doing that uh Next Sunday morning, so I hope all of you will come prepared to be able to give a great offering. We divide that equally amongst uh, those different areas that we're involved in. But one of the other things that we do is that we participate on a monthly basis with what we call kindness culture. It's simply where we go out into the community and we share the love of Jesus in a practical way. And I love to have families. I love to have individuals come up that have been a part of that. And just to share with you what it's done in their life and what it means to them. Because sometimes we're, we're hesitant to come and step out of our comfort zone and try that. But, but when, you, when you see people just like us, just, just families just like us, and you hear what God's using them to do, sometimes it gives us the opportunity to give that a shot. So this is uh, Jimmy, and this is Kim, and they're beautiful girls. And this, this is Kim, by the way. Don't get her mixed up over there, okay? And uh, I want them to share just a little bit about their story.
2: Good morning. Um, so, yeah, out of the comfort zone. Um, In flesh right here. So uh, we were asked from the beginning to uh, come and be a part of uh, kindness culture. And um, we were excited about it. It was a good thing. But we had our hesitations. And uh, speaking, knocking on doors, washing windows, um, it was a challenge. But we found it uh, exciting. Um, We liked that um, it was different. It was a way that our family could go out and um, share the gospel uh, in a way that um, was practical, that worked for us. Um, sometimes we feel like, uh, you know, you may not have the right words to say, but I can promise you, the gentleman that's with you that day, somewhere, the, the, the young girl that's with you that day, God's put words in their mouth for you. So it's always worked out for us. Uh, There's a place for everyone. And uh, I think the girls have some things they want to say that'll kind of see where their places are in kindness culture.
1: Okay, I'm not much of a talker, but I love to share, um, spread kindness and show others the love of Jesus. I love that we can participate in kindness culture. I call it our little mini mission trips in our own backyard as a family. I'm not always the best at talking to strangers, but God always has
0: a plan. He gives me the strength and the courage to share his love with the people he puts in place each kindness culture. I would love to encourage anyone, even if you're unsure to come and join us this Saturday. There's always something for each and every person, all ages, all comfort levels. Sometimes I'm best at keeping the group on track and carrying the stuff we need. You don't always have to be the person talking.
2: Kindness culture has been a great opportunity for us. It's a time we can gather together with our church family to go out into the neighborhoods and show kindness as well as Jesus' love with others and hope it will spread throughout other families and friends. We do things like rake leaves, um,
1: wash windows hand out school supplies, and sometimes we get the opportunity to pray with someone. We would like to invite you this Saturday at 930 to come and share the
0: love of Jesus in a practical way by, share, by, um, by, by giving out um, sunflower seeds and washing
2: windows. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Good job.
0: So there you have it, an opportunity to be able to go through that process, to be able to just kind of step out with some of those others. That's koinonia. That's fellowshipping with each other. And uh, we, 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 it's very... Uh, if we want to use the word uh, non-confrontational, we don't ask for anything, we don't do anything. We just walk up to somebody, we hand them a packet of seeds, or we wash the window, and they say, why are you doing this? We're just out showing the love of Jesus in a practical way. So we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. As we're being dismissed here in a few moments, our ushers will be at the exit doors, and that's where we give our tithes and our offerings. Uh, our gift division 2020, or if you know next week you're not going to be here and you want to go ahead and give to our cooperative mission offering. That'll be an opportunity for you to do that. If you're visiting with us, we've got a welcome center over in Kids World and one out in the cafe, and we'd love to answer any questions that you have about our church or, or give you a gift. We've got one there for you as well. But what we'd like to do at the end of the service before we're being dismissed, and, and, and Robbie's our deacon of the week, and he'll be leading us in our prayer of benediction. What we'd like to do before the end is we like to just pause before we walk out the door, we like just to, to have a moment of just reflecting on what God has spoken today, what I've heard today. If there's something that God's speaking to me and I maybe need to come pray about it or I want to talk to somebody about that, it gives us an opportunity to do that. Man, if if we're where we need to be, it gives us an opportunity for a last song of of praise and worship before that we're dismissed and headed home or headed to our ABF class or whatever it is that we're going to be doing. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand to your feet at this time as we enjoy uh, this time of worship. And I just ask you to do whatever it is that God's placed upon your heart to do this morning.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. just thank you for the opportunity we have to, to come to your house, Father, and just to be able to open up your word, Father, and just learn more. Father, I thank you so much for a pastor that uh, opens up and dissects that word for us, Father. And I just pray that, um, that we never um, stop being hungry to hear that word, Father, and that we're not only hearers of that, but doers as well. Uh, Father, please just um, uh, go before us this week. Um, and just let us glorify you in know, all that we do, Father. We'll Let's pray for the uh, tithes and offerings. They would be used to, uh, to glorify well, you. In the we pray.